Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Dear respected viewers and listeners, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. Um, we have just finished with the holy season of Muharram and finished with Arba'in. And now we are back to continuing our regular series, The Breakdown. We've had a very beneficial season and inshallah we pray that everyone who has participated in the majalis of Abu Abdullah al-Hussein benefited highly and inshallah all your amal are accepted um salam alaikum abbas nice to have you back in back back doing the breakdown again nice to nice to be back yeah nice to be back we had a nice muharram series which i would recommend everyone listen to yeah really nice series with a bunch of different speakers so please do listen to those and absolutely absolutely brothers sisters as we are now getting towards the end of 2019 we are looking to ways in which we can have, inshallah, a fruitful year to come. Um, and to kind of kick off the, 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 the topics um, for the coming year, we wanted to start with something which is a bit more reflective, talking about where we have gone in the previous year. What I mean by this is, for example, a lot has happened to us in our individual days, uh, in our individual lives across the year. Um, a lot of the time we reflect on events that have happened throughout the year and we think, why has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put me in such a situation? Have I deserved it? Do I deserve to be in, in such a lofty position? Or even in some cases, why have my dua not been answered or accepted? And to help us understand this topic to a greater depth, we are honoured and blessed to be joined by Sheikh Shabar Mahdi. Assalamu alaykum. Wa alaykum assalam wa Nice to have you for the first time. Thank you very much for having me. How first is, of um, many in the future. First of many. Inshallah. Inshallah. Um, how has your uh, the Muharram season been for you? Alhamdulillah, everything was, uh, uh, of course, very busy as usual. Um, and uh, it's always good to visit different people, different places uh, mm-hmm. and discuss or deal with different issues. Yeah. Because um, you find every year there's different issues, different questions people are asking about, uh, different themes people are focusing on, which is always interesting. <coughs> and um, I think at the end of the day, it was a beneficial uh, season. Sheikh, we know, of course, that the... The, the season of Muharram is one which, uh, f- of course, for, for the followers of the Ahlul Bayt is the pinnacle of faith um, in, in the Islamic calendar. In this season, we ask for a lot of du'a. We ask Allah SWT to accept du'a which may have not been accepted in, in, in you know, previous times. The main question which we want to look at is why would Allah SWT not accept a particular du'a? But before we kind of get into that, as an introductory point, how would you classify the concept of du'a? Are we misunderstanding it? Is it, a sen- is it a, a, an issue or a term which you've become, in a sense, desensitized to or, or very familiar with or, or to the point where we underestimate its, its power and its significance? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. I think one of the, um, the reasons why it's so important to discuss du'a uh, is that it's such a big part of everyone's life. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no mu'min or believer that doesn't do du'a. It's something we do so naturally And it's something we're taught from very young um, But the question that comes I think really with dua Is um, to, If we understand the concept itself Then I think it will change the way in which we supplicate mm. Something we do so much But if we, if we understand why we're meant to supplicate in the first place And so the question that often I ask is that um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most generous of people yeah. The most generous of that which exists mm-hmm. The most honourable. If I was to uh, go to someone's house and that person knows that um, I need, let's say, £5,000. Yeah. 
that person, if he's very honorable and of a higher status and his, his character is of, a, uh, of an honorable person, he's not going to wait for me to ask. Because he sees that it's embarrassing for me, I'm lowering myself in front of him. He's going to give me without me having to ask. This is the status of someone that's honorable. Mm. And we start find this, that this would happen in the lives of the Emma alayhim wassalam. Someone comes to the door, if they would give, if the person would ask, they would give without that person having to see their face. Mm. Because yeah. they know that that person would be so embarrassed. Or if they knew that someone would need something, they would give to him without that person having to ask. So if this is the case, why then does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us ask him? Should he not give us everything that we want and that we need without us having to do dua and supplicate in the first place? Mm. If he's so generous and honorable. And the answer comes is that uh, we're those type of people that we only speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we need something. So he knows that if I don't have this system of supplication and dua, my servant will never speak to me. And so he told Musa السلام, in, a, in a riwayah, he said, even ask for the salt that you put in your food. Wow. Well, Allah is so stingy, he's not going to give that to me without me asking. No, the point isn't to ask, the point is to have a communication with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the ways within which that is done is supplication. So sometimes in my mind, I have I only will speak to Allah when I want something. No, sometimes I should speak to Allah just praising him. Yeah. We have certain supplications of Ahlul Bayt, just praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes... Uh, I supplicate just speaking about my own uh, shortcomings. So it's not necessarily that dua is to ask. Dua is to communicate with Allah subhanahu okay. wa ta'ala. Okay. So that's the, the main basis behind it. Of like building that relationship. Building that relationship. Otherwise, I would never speak to him. Mm. That's why there's so much stress in every occasion. And that's why we have so many supplications. Always speak to him. Yeah. Always build that communication yeah. with him. Sheikh, we notice, of course, in our traditional dua, in our supplications, in our holy books, that I know you mentioned that du'a is, is communication. Yeah. Why then in, in many of the books of supplication are, are the I'ma asking for particular things? If it's if if it doesn't have to be a request. So it doesn't have to be, but in certain cases it is. Right. So you'll find certain groups of supplications where you're specifically asking for X, Y, Z. Right. You know you have the supplication when a person wants to increase their sustenance. Mm. Supplication for health, supplication for Whatever, for marriage, let's say. Mm. So there are supplications like that. And that's a different discussion as to why we have those. And then there are supplications that just speak about, you know, the, 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 the existence of God and are there to increase basically my ma'rifah and understanding mm. uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on that point, it's, it's kind of like you're saying dua should be a lot more personal than <clears throat> perhaps what, what it is for us at the moment. You know, when you think of dua, I suppose as, as a layman, as I guess I am myself, you think of, okay, mm. We got we got dua kumel on a Thursday. We do dua tawassul on a Tuesday. Um, that's basically it. Maybe dua sabah on a Friday, for example. Yeah. But we don't tend to think of dua as this personal communication that we have with God that we just do alone. I mean, that's why we have this concept of munajat. Munajat is what we would translate as the whispering. Yeah. Where a person very softly speaks. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Which is yeah. what we have Munajat of Amir al-Mu'mineen In Masjid Kufa Was this idea that Not everyone can hear me Yeah some mm-hmm. supplications I do in a group And there's a benefit of that Some supplications It's just me and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Which is why we have this idea Of certain times You worship In a group of people yeah. And certain times You worship for example Alone in the middle of the night To, to build that uh, connection and I think you're right Sometimes we forget that 
or we're too focused on the say the, the the public supplication. Yeah, we don't have that intimate kind of uh, conversation with Allah. Yeah, I think it, I think in, in our communities especially, it's about breaking that mold. Like you know, you don't have to open a book and read what what's written on. The no, no, exactly. That, that, yeah, that's yeah. not what it is. No, you know, sometimes I've noticed when we have certain a'mal. And a person will make it like a checklist. Yeah. I have to do this, this, yeah, yeah. this, this, this. What would be better is he chooses one <laughs> and does it in the best way. Yeah. Abbas, <laughs> this is something you tell me every year. <laughs> every year. And you know, I've, sometimes yeah. I go to, I visit places and I see it and I'm, I can tell that it's robotic. Yeah. yeah. The guy is just doing it to finish it. No, yeah. pick one that you think you can, if you can do all of it, what's better than that? Mm. But choose that which you connect with, for example, in Laylatul Qadr, mm. uh, Ashura, 15th Sha'ban, whatever these nights that we have, and see that which you can really use to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if you haven't done everything. Mm. There's something I think we forget this idea within the, the supplication. Sheikh, kind of bringing it back to uh, the contemporary day and age. Yeah. We live in a, <clears throat> in a, a capitalist society. Um, we live in a day and age where poverty is still rampant, where where war is waging across the world in different areas, where we have <coughs> environmental issues, we have all sorts, you know, I, I don't need to go in, into too much depth. The, the life of someone who's suffering from disease or the life of someone who's suffering from slavery or any form of oppression or poverty, why then are people in these positions who you would expect to be praying and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than those who are in comfortable positions, why are they in such positions when others are not? Why are they in difficult positions? Yes, absolutely. Even though they're supplicating. You would imagine that someone in these positions would be talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even more, praying with more sincerity. Yeah. Mm. Are their prayers ignored by Allah? I mean, we have this idea of um, praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that which is the best for me. Right. So you'll find many yeah. examples of Quranic supplications which are very vague and general. Yeah. Musa alayhi salam says, Rabbi lima anzalta ilayya min khayrin faqeer. I'm mm. in need of whatever good you have. We know what he wanted. Yeah. Mm. He wanted food, he wanted water, he wanted a place to stay. Mm. But he didn't say any of those things. He said, I want good from you. Because sometimes I think one thing is good for me, but something else actually is what is good for me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that. So sometimes we have this idea of me asking, Ya Allah, look, I'm going to on this path. I need a certain thing. If this is good for me, give it to me. And then in the examples you mentioned, it's a lot of the cases is that whatever problem or difficulty or suffering they have, there is always some benefit for that person. And even if, you know, for, you know there's different reasons. Sometimes Allah wants to test patience. Okay. Sometimes Allah loves the voice of that person. He loves the way in which that person supplicates. Mm. So he will delay answering just so I can hear that person do it mm. one more time. It's beautiful. Thirdly, he sees, for example, that from dua, this person has uh, gains a benefit in that person's iman. Yeah. The more this person is doing dua, the more I see they gain higher levels of iman. Therefore, I delay answering so that they get to higher levels of iman. So there's different reasons. Sometimes that thing isn't good for me. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delays it. There's many reasons why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would say someone supplicates, but I feel it's better for me to delay it for one reason or another. Mm. Interesting point. Interesting. And, um, and one thing that you just mentioned there about the dua of Prophet Musa, mm. where, he, where he didn't ask for anything that he actually wanted. He just said, give what... You, what is best think. Get that which is so good is, In terms of etiquette of dua Is that really the way We should be going about it Because We spoke about con Conversing with God And building that relationship But for most people Dua will be a case of Asking for needs Right And is that The way to then go about it Rather than So saying, this requires X, y, A stronger Z. level of iman mm. Okay 
Sometimes <laughs> you ask and ask and ask and Allah knows it's not good for you, but because you're asking so much, He gives it to you. Okay. Even though then you're at the end of the day you're responsible, you ask yeah, for course, it. Yeah. <clears throat> but you would have wished then when you went into the akhirah that I didn't get it. Okay. But the person who has a higher level of faith and iman and understanding He says, Ya Allah, look I think that this is good for me I'm asking you if this is good for me, give it to me mm. So now you've brought both of those together You present what you want But you put like a disclaimer If this is good for me If this is beneficial for me, answer it mm. But again, that requires someone who has iman and understanding That if it's not given to me, then I know why mm. Some people, all they see is that which they want They don't care whether it's good for me or not I want that thing That's the problem we have No, we need to see uh, The effect that that thing has on my life And so this is probably one of the best ways A person can supplicate Is if this is good for me Give it to me mm. And I suppose that we, we reach that As in like The more we pray The closer we get to God The higher level you reach The, the more, more understanding you have yeah. mm. uh, The more you are able to supplicate in that way mm. Mm. Does the same apply, for example, in Dua Kamal, where Imam Ali talks about the the rebuttal? So, for example, what I mean by that is <clears throat> Imam Ali asks Allah to repel the evil which comes to him and give it back to those who wish ill upon him. Yeah. Does that work in the same way? Will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala listen to that and say, there's a, a sincere request here. Someone has acknowledged that there's evil coming towards them. Um, and see that specific, I know we always talk about that specific line in Dua Kamal. Yeah. It's a very kind of, I don't, I don't want to say questionable, but it raises, because kind of, it's a very uncon, unconventional sort of Dua. So the ulama explain that line. Okay. They say, when aradani bisu'in fa'arid, وَمَنْ كَادَنِي فَكِدْ Whoever has a desire of bad for me, have a desire of bad for them. Whoever plans against me, plan against them. So they explain this. They say, whoever has a desire of bad towards me, and that desire is unlawful. Has, yeah. they, have, they have no right for that. Sometimes I've done something bad. I'm worthy of being punished. I'm a valim myself. Mm. Sometimes I haven't done anything to that person. He has a negative intention towards me. For which I reply, Ya Allah, you have a negative intention for him, but that which he is worthy of. Okay. Why? Because by planning bad for me, that person has committed a sin. So therefore, he's worthy of punishment for that. You know, sometimes we have a person that he wishes bad for me and he does bad towards me. He tries to, let's say, ruin a person's business, mm. ruins a person's career. He has so much jealousy, he wishes to ruin someone's marriage. Yeah. Then that line comes in and says, look, when that person had this jealousy towards me, that he had no right of doing that, you wish bad for them, i.e. you punish him for that which he has done. Okay. And therefore that, that, and, that and makes what, complete sense. So for Imam Ali to say that makes more sense. But for example, if, 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 if one of us who are, you know, we're sinners, to say something like that, does it make an assumption that, for example, we are, we are telling Allah, look, this is a person who has done X, Y, and Z, and, and, and as such, they deserve the punishment. Are we in a position where we can say we are allowed to do that sort of thing or make? So again, when it comes with me and you, there's always a disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes I've done something first, which caused that person to uh, to have this intention right, towards see. me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, another idea is that a lot of these times you say you find the same thing in Dua al Alqama, which is recited in Ashura or after Ziyarat Ashura. You have yeah. a lot of these type of statements of wish bad on that person. Yeah. This, when it comes for the, from the Imam, is actually mercy. Why? Because if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a sickness, ill health, poverty, 
then that stops that person or creates a barrier from that person performing dhulm. Mm. So that person commits less sin. Which is why the Imam is doing a dua for him. That's why I said sometimes a dua or what Allah does or what the Imam does, it's not always clear to us how this has a benefit or how this is something good. But when you look into the reality of it, it's actually a very good thing. So that's why people don't understand a lot of things about supplications. But if you go deep into the reality of them, they are covered with uh, the mercy of the infallibles and they speak about the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It takes a lot of understanding. It takes a lot not of understanding. Just, not just reading it. No, no, it's a lot of understanding. Sheikh, the last question I had was, um, now, a lot of the time, the du'a which, which people have um, can include the du'a where they are seeking the ability to perform wajibat. Ya Allah, allow me to, to go for hajj. Yeah. Ya Allah, allow me to take care of my sick parents or to look after my <laughs> wife and, and children. Why then in such instances, when you have a sincere intention, would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delay your visitation for hajj, for argument's sake? So again, it could be this idea of he's testing the patience of that person. How much does that person believe that I will answer him? Okay. One person, he asks for a dua, Allah doesn't give it to him, he stops asking. Mm-hmm. Another person is persistent. Okay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to test what level of iman you have. What level of faith you have And based on that He will reward in a better way Therefore when a person asks for hajj Asks for being able to be capable to perform hajj And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delays it Compared to the person who asks And that year he's able to go The second person had to go through more trial and tribulation And troubles and suffering The second person's reward is more And often Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows he knows when you have two people, he knows that this person can bear to have that dua delayed and being answered, and this person can't. Mm-hmm. Which is why there might be two people, they live next to each other, they have the same line of work, they're the same age, they ask for the same thing, one is answered straight away, the other isn't. Mm-hmm. Because Allah knows the other one has stronger perseverance, he's able to be more patient, his reward therefore will be more than the other person. And how would, <clears throat> excuse me, how would someone in, in, in the opposite position refrain from having envy or seeing someone in such a position who's, being, who's had their du'a answered and you know, stop themselves from feeling jealous or complaining to Allah. I mean, it comes back to that idea. If you have asked Allah for the best for you, mm. or you believe that Allah will only do that which is best for me, mm. then you should know that if one person is given one thing and I'm not, I should know that I'm, I wasn't given that, but that's because this is better for me. Mm. If I understand this philosophy, then all of these issues are, are, are resolved. Yeah. Yeah. Another person was given so much wealth I wasn't Doesn't matter Because I know this is what is best for me And I want that which is best for me And I know I need to have that belief That Allah would never do something Which goes against my own benefit And on a more practical aspect then How does one reach that level Where, they, where they're just content And they know that whatever's happening Is what God has willed for them And what is best for them So it's an idea of number one Being able to have knowledge of that In the first place Yeah you know, well, the reason why we have Ahlul Bayt والسلام, is that I learned from their lives this aspect. Mm-hmm. This idea of tawakkul or this idea of whatever they will do is good. You know, the, 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 the whole part of my religion is to take something in from my intellect and bring it into my heart. Yeah. That is your religion. The yeah. distance between your intellect and heart. Ahsan. So I've heard all of these things about Allah which is the best for me. I need to take that into my heart and believe it. Mm-hmm. That happens, for example, by... 
remembering the lives of Ahlul Bayt and seeing the examples that they had. It has from reading, for example, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has a big impact on someone's heart. It comes from refraining from sin. All of these things allow my heart then to be able to accept that which has already come into my mind. Um, Sheikh, I know I said I've, I asked my last question, but I do have one more question. This is permission. Um, when we ask du'a for those other than ourselves, yes. So, for example, we ask du'a for the community, mm. for wider society, for those who are suffering. How do we? Firstly, is there a specific thing? Is there recommendations where you'd say, look, ask for this, ask for the reappearance of the holy Imam, ask for the Marid, all of these different things, or is it just kind of a thing where? Whatever comes into your heart, Bismillah. Do you see what I mean? How? What's the etiquette of asking for the others? Obviously, we see we hear so many hadith about how Sayyidah Fatima to Zahra, Alaihi Alaihi, used to pray for people around her. The jar from Madar, yeah, the first the neighbors and the house. Exactly. Mm. Is there an etiquette of doing these things, or how should we try and approach this? So the idea is that the rawaya says when a person does du'a for someone else, uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala sends angels to then do the same du'a for you. Mm. So sometimes I'm a bit, should I do du'a for my friend or my brother? I don't want them to have more than me. But that, that, you know, sometimes maybe someone has that idea. Yeah. The actual thing is when you do du'a for that person, that is a way within which you get more. And then as you said, no, it's specific to the, to the people that you know. Of course, there's rights of your family members. There's rights of those that are close to you. There's rights of your neighbours. There's rights of those in your community. Uh, to remember them in your du'a. If you know their specific needs... Ask Allah for their specific needs. This person needs this. This person needs marriage. This person needs wealth. This person is unwell. You do dua in that way. If you don't know their specific needs, then the best thing you do is, Ya Allah, I ask for the forgiveness of that person. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know their needs, ask for their forgiveness. And as I said, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when you ask for someone else, then I give you that same thing, but I multiply it by a number of times. So this is the best way a person should always start their supplication by mentioning and doing supplication for others. And some say, you know, for example, first mention the name of 40 mu'mini. If you don't know what they want, say, Allah, give them whatever they need. Yeah. And then do your dua, it's more likely to be answered. Yeah. Inshallah, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thank you so much, Sheikh. My pleasure. Thank you, you very the time. much. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, I'm sure you'll agree that in this short but very beneficial segment with Sheikh Shabar Mahdi, we've learned a lot. And inshallah, we can take these practical tips back into our day-to-day uh, -day routines. And inshallah, I hope the next time um, you and I pray our salah and we supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll remember some of these uh, beneficial tips. As always, brothers and sisters, um, any tips, suggestions, comments, feedback, uh, any ideas you may have for speakers or topics or anything you'd like to see on uh, Al Hadi Youth Podcast, please, as always, get in touch on social media channels. Thank you for your time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.